Listen. Those are the drums of liberty. We are in a desperate war for the minds of our children. In fact, a war that is 16,000 hours. Let's talk about it next on the Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to the Liberty Minute. So, we are indeed in a war. It's a war for the minds and, I would say, souls of our children. You know, way back when I was in college, a book came out titled The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. That book came out in 1987, and I think I read it in college in 1995 or 1996. Its main thesis is that there was no actual debate anymore taking place on modern college campuses. And again, this was written in 1987, and um, they were making references from the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. And rather than having the actual debate, Bloom told us that because of an increasing secular culture, atheist and cultural humanists that have no religious belief, and those persons hanging on to traditional or religious beliefs, Catholics, Christians, Jews, Muslims, who were on the opposite side, they were just throwing insults at each other and refused to engage in the actual debate. What some used to call in the university as the great conversation, debating the big ideas from the great books down through the ages. And Bloom finalized this lack of an ongoing debate from both sides as evidence of the title of his book, The Closing of the American Mind. And it was well received as a marker towards a more secular culture that was coming along the American journey and the diminution of our college education system in the United States. Everything was about ideology now. That was Bloom's summation. So you fast forward today and Pete Hegseth has written an equally riveting book, The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. And by now, the closing of the American Mind on college campuses had further progressed into K-12 through education. And indeed, it is a battle, and perhaps it is the most consequential battle ever to be fought on American shores in the university. And after finishing this book, I reflected back upon it, and I surmised this is the equivalent of an intellectual Gettysburg of our country. The intellectual battle for the minds of our children, I would say, is not even a battle, but a war. In fact, a 16,000-hour war. So let's go to the book for the opening quote. 
Quote, my former mentor at Princeton University, intellectual giant and constitutional scholar, Professor Robert P. George, put it best saying to me, quote, it used to be that liberal professors in higher education licked their chops at the prospect of challenging the conventional and conservative views of their incoming students. Today, it's the opposite. Conservative professors like me lick my chops at the opportunity to challenge incoming students who have already been indoctrinated by the woke leftist educational system, especially in the past decades. The kids show up already indoctrinated. End of quote. Let me stop you. Let's stop here to remind you I'm no different than you. This is Hegseth going on in the book. I'm learning these things right along with you. Until last year, I had two kids in public schools. It was easy, familiar, and free. I still don't have all my kids enrolled in precisely the type of school we want. I have no idea where or even if I will suggest that my kids go to college. For many years, my fear was higher education, but as but as has become clearer and clearer, the real problem is high school, middle school, and now elementary school. The battle for the hearts and minds of our kids is the 16,000 hours they spend inside American classrooms from kindergarten to 12th grade. It's the 16,000-hour war for our kids in our country. Through a seemingly impossible progressive pipeline, teacher unions, priorities, teacher colleges, common core prerogatives, and unchecked teachers and administrators, the woke social justice agenda is showing up in the youngest of our classrooms. Often the books and the curricula are hidden from parents, or at least largely until now. In one Idaho school district alone, books like A is for Activist, Anti-Racist Baby, and Not My Idea, a book about whiteness, are being read to elementary school students. Not only is A for Activist, but L is for LGBTQ, T is for Trans, X is for Malcolm X, and Z is for Zapestia. I had to look that up, but of course it's a socialist military group at war with the Mexican government. Anti-racist babies are taught to confess are taught to confess when being racist, and that whiteness is a bad deal. It always was. End of quote. A sixteen thousand hour war. Let that sink in. Sixteen thousand hours. The fight is not in colleges anymore, but kindergartens. Dang. This is truly indoctrination in every sense of that word. Indoctrination at a supreme level. When kids are four, five, six, seven, eight years old. And we shouldn't be shocked that we expect this in colleges and universities. Young men and women when they go to the university or at an adult age for the most part. They can hear the debates. They can engage in the great conversations. That conversation is all around the classics and the great books, or at least it should be. But if you want to know how that battle is going, 
Just listen to this example. In fact, it's a great example from a North Korean defector. Yenemy Park, who is now 27, escaped from North Korea at the age of 13. She's now a U.S. citizen. In 2016, she transferred to Columbia University and said the experience was jarring. Let's go to the article. A North Korean defector had told Fox News that she fears that the future of the U.S. fears for the future of the U.S. after attending Columbia University, where she said the atmosphere reminded her of her days under the oppressive Kim regime, Kim being Kim Jong-il, North Korean dictator. She escaped with her mother. Like I said, she's currently a U.S. citizen. In 2016, Park transferred from a South Korean university to Columbia University in New York. She described a culture of political correctness at the Ivy League institution that she said rivaled the thought policing that happened in her native country. Quote, I expected that I was paying this fortune all this time and energy to learn how to think, but they're forcing you to think the way they want you to think. I realized, wow, this is insane. I thought America was different. But I saw so many similarities to what I saw in North Korea that I started worrying. For example, Park said she was scolded by a staff member for expressing a like for Jane Austen novels. I said, I love those books. I thought they were a good thing. Then she said, Do you, did you know that those writers had a colonial mindset, that they were racist and bigots and are subcon- subconsciously brainwashing you? Park went on to say she found it bizarre that professors asked students what their pronouns were and complained about gender-neutral pronouns. English is my third language. I learned it as an adult. Sometimes I still say he or she by mistake, and now they are going to ask me to call them they. She said, how the heck do I incorporate that into my sentences? It was chaos. It felt like regression and civilization. Park went on to say, even North Korea is not this nuts. North Korea is pretty crazy, but not this crazy. I will put a link in the show notes for the interview she did with the Daily Telegraph from the UK. So that's absolutely crazy that American universities have gone that far, but we can understand the beatdown for the last 50 years that this woke culture has produced in the universities. But now our kindergartens are the battlefield. That's just terrific. And guess what? It's been going on for a long time. The woke Marxist revolution is here and it's been here for a long time. Let's go back to the book quote, but it's not just schools. Do yourself a favor and visit your local Barnes and Noble bookstore. Check out the kids section and notice what books are front and center. The last time I visited mine of the 40 children's books displayed, at least 30 were progressive agenda driven books. This bookstore was not in a liberal community. This was a conservative area. Books by or about Michelle Obama, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Kamala Harris were all front and center. There was A is for Activists and multiple books about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. 
gender, and sexuality were well represented, not to be outdone by at least five books about climate change and the environment. It's nearly impossible without really digging to find books that contain patriotic Christian or conservative themes. He goes on. The point is we are culturally surrounded. The classroom, literature, movies, music, television, and social media are all full-blown avenues of attack for the left. How do parents fight back? Well, considering my own winding personal path, one hour on Sunday morning and one hour on Wednesday night at church is not enough, not even close. And that was back in the 1990s and 2000s, before social media and smartphones. Your kids are not special, and neither are mine. Social pressure today, especially on social media, is enormous on American kids, with the only socially acceptable path being left-wing activism. Without careful cultivation, our kids have every reason to conform. Remember, A is for activist. And here comes our nugget of wisdom. Going back to the book, Andrew Breitbart famously said, and I agree, that politics is downstream of culture, meaning politics is a lagging indicator. Things change in our politics because our culture has already changed. In this way, representative politics in America is a reflection of the culture we cultivate, cultivate, or that is intentionally cultivated for us. Culture sets the tone. Culture determines what, as a society, we lionize and idolize. End of quote. And when I heard that, I was reminded of Richard John Newhouse, who was a radical liberal activist who was a Lutheran minister and turned Catholic priest and then became a leading voice for religious and political conservatives, especially with the magazine he started called First Things, which I read a lot of over the last 20, 25 years. Newhouse said, quote, politics is chiefly a function of culture, and at the heart of culture is morality, and at the heart of morality is religion, end of quote. So that's very good analysis right there. And that's a solid nugget of wisdom. Politics is downstream of culture. But culture is downstream of religion and morality. And this is where Pete's book is going for the battle for the American mind. And this is where his book really excels. We can no longer just agitate the school boards. Pete makes a funny comment that using Nerf guns, quote, to charge a fortified machine gun nest on the high ground is not going to cut it. Certainly, we honor the effort and salute the cause, but ultimately, we're going to get buried. And here's a great fact to put it all in context. Going back to the book, to an outside observer, the sheer scale of school in quotes, in America is head turning. The largest transportation system in the world is not in New York or London. It actually takes children to American public schools and half a million yellow school buses. 
United States spends more on national defense than China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, India, France, the United Kingdom, and Japan combined. Yet America spends even more on school than on defense, more than $700 billion annually on education alone. The largest union in the United States supports not steel workers or the Teamsters, but school teachers. Public schools in the United States are the largest state-owned monopoly in the world outside of China. How and why did this education story become so massive in America? And why are more than 90% of students educated in progressive public schools? In a nation of capitalists, why is one of America's largest industries publicly controlled? End of quote. It is truly incredible how massive public school systems are. In fact, just give it another 20 years that the direction and pace that we are on and the Republic will cease to exist. Might turn into an empire like we chatted about last weekend in Liberty Minute 13 about the fall of the Roman Republic. So this is our, regrettably, this is our American Cicero moment. The moment you look around and say, we cannot continue down this path. So how do we retreat or how do we fight? I'm going to recommend getting this book because there's no, there's been no better book that gives you the facts and the sheer breadth of where our American heritage and country are going. It will terrify you, but it'll also give you a glimmer of hope. And this Liberty Minute is just a meager drop in the bucket. We're going to do an extended Liberty Minute for tomorrow. Um, putting some final touches on that right now. But you might remember way back in Mojo Minute number number 129, where we talk about how bad Power, Howard Zinn is. And the title of that Mojo Minute was Debunking the Lies of History. And going back to the book, Hegseth nails, correctly nails our schools. Let's pick up his quote, his extensive quotes on the good work that Mary Graybar did. Quote, Mary Graybar, a former professor and the author of the book Debunking Howard Zinn, which we covered in Mojo Minute 129 again, summed up the goal of Common Core this way. Quote, Common Core is a far left program that promotes the ideas that Howard Zinn wants to get out and that the 1619 Project wants to get out. Despite its name, it was falsely branded to be about a common curriculum, but it was really an, an attempt to underline, undermine traditional learning, and it's still in place, and it was very, very harmful. Yet another pathway created by the left pre pre predicating on rejecting old standards and replacing them well with whatever radical left-wing unions wanted. Recognize that name, Howard Zinn. At the time of the founding of the Department of Education and throughout the 1980s, the radical activists of the 1960s became the tenured professors at our universities. Right at that moment, one book captured the minds of the tenured class, A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. 
it is not hyperbole to state that no other book has had a greater impact on the minds of American youth for the past 40 years. When not assigned in classrooms, it has been fully incorporated into the mass-produced textbooks in our classrooms, and Zen's view of history is enmeshed in American classrooms. The unions love it, they endorse it, and they teach it. He goes on, which again leads me back to the unions. A 10-second Google search reveals that the National Education Association, the, the nation's largest labor union, openly works hand-in-hand with the Zen Education Project. The Zen Education Project's mission is to promote and support the teaching of a people's history in the classrooms across the country. And they boast that, quote, with more than 130,000 people registered and growing by more than 10,000 new registrants each and every year, the Zen Education Project has become a leading resource for teachers and teacher educators. Howard Zinn is no longer an anti-establishment historian. He is the establishment. So the teacher unions are incredibly powerful. And we've seen that ever since COVID. In 2020, all the way through 2021 and 2022, failure to open up schools. They want to do remote learning. I think the Chicago teachers unions, they've they've uh, went on strike, I think, four times in 11 years. It's just incredibly out of hand. Going back to the book, quote, the teachers unions, the political power, with the help of anti-Americans like the late Howard Zinn, the curriculum will help students understand problems in our society and develop collective solutions to those problems. After decades of converting with socialists, the teacher unions are so used to saying things this like this that they don't see the bastardization of their profession. Now it is their profession. Rather than teaching basic skills and knowledge to America's children, America's unions believe their job now is to solve America's problems based on their social, justice, culturally Marxist view of the world. They no longer hide their agenda because they don't have to. Who will rein them in? The politicians? Most don't care. And the ones who do don't know where to start. The bureaucracy? The government works for the unions. Will the courts stop them? They stripped out the courts from American education decades ago. And will the parents stop them? We've already seen this. The, the, the parents who try to stop them, the unions are so arrogant, they say, go ahead and try. It will feel good but they will bury the parents. So this is a much bigger, larger, more significant problem. Like I said, it's probably America's Getty intellectual Gettysburg battle or war because the indoctrination is so deep. And Pete correctly tells us that Nerf guns will not work. We cannot storm up the mountain with Nerf guns. But to end this Liberty Minute with some hope, let's go back to the book because there is hope. 
Quote, however, this is not a book about the educational rubble we see in today's schools. This is a book that will expose a century-long strategy to redirect our culture away from Christianity and the West, away from the very ideals that invented and upheld our republic. This was accomplished by targeting and removing a key ingredient in how our children are raised. That ingredient is called the Western Christian Padea, WCP. The loss of the WCP has led directly to the cultural collapse we are witnessing today. How could a word virtually nobody heard of, Padea, be both the key to civilization and the target of an entire political movement, both taken for granted and taken over? The answer is fascinating and revealing. Padea, simply defined, represents the deeply seated affections, thinkings, viewpoints, and virtues embedded in children at a very young age, or more simply, the rearing, molding, and education of a child. Classical Christian education creates a padilla unique in all of human history, one that enables freedom. At the risk of extending the Star Wars metaphor too far, padilla is the closest thing to the cultural, real-world, quote, force that envelops an entire civilization, but is so deeply hitting it's hard to see. So just about 120 years ago, progressives had big ideas to change the cultural and economic order while dissolving old reliances on Christianity. The fruits are now being seen ripe on the vine, first in the baby boomers, now in Generation X, Millennials, and Generation G, or Gen Z generations, the tree from which this poisoned progressive fruit is harvested has matured, and it grows more plentiful and more bitter with each successive generation. Going on, quote, A person's vision of the good life is driven by something called padilla. The woke culture, culture we see today is a product of a progressive vision infused into the modern American padilla. Padea's power to influence culture comes in part as it forms the vision of a good life in children. This vision may not sound powerful, but it has proven to be the strongest cultural force throughout all of human history. The Western vision of the good life went virtually unchanged and unchallenged for centuries. It was tied to tra traditional families, church, communities, industriousness, and a virtuous population. Today, our modern vision of the good life has been nearly universally transformed into the freedom of personal choice, control of your identity, being accepted for who you are, finding a venture, and creating your own path in life. For the children of the left, a slightly supplemental variation includes finding meaning in particular causes like climate change, gender identity, and so-called anti-racism. For the children of the right, mostly Christian, they find some small portion of the good life in patriotism and personal faith. But both, but both modern groups, the left and the right, roughly share the modern vision. 
We don't think much about the roots of our assumptions today because we don't realize the depth and power of our vision of the good life, especially over time. As our culture seeks deeper and deeper into an identity crisis, suicide rates climb and families and churches shrink, our very survival requires a better way. The great plume of smoke we see rising from selfishness and hypersexuality in our culture emanates from a fire built to worship the creation rather than the creator. We are now trying to have the kingdom without the king. And so in today's Liberty Minute, let us explore this Western Christian Padea even further, because especially in Pete's book, you will find that even though Western civilization has been in full retreat for the better part of the last hundred years, and Marxism is on the march, we still have hope. Let us rediscover our Western tradition, Christian Padea. And again, tomorrow we will do an extended version of this Liberty Minute for part two, where we will talk about the Western Christian Padea. Keep fighting the good fight, and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? 
Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually six to nine pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.